That went quiet. Look, look how quiet that went. Oh yeah. Look at that. There's a whole bissing sound bit in there. Episode 49 of Frithcast. 49? 49. 49, that's How many of these have we done? Well, 49. I know. Okay. okay. <laughs> Counted them up this morning and everything. That means it's nearly 50. It does. I feel old. The, no, no, no. The, 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 the show is nearly 50. I'm nearly 50. <laughs> Quite 50 yet. So are all the best wines. It's fine. So are This is true. Yeah, it's all good. So hey. hello, lovely listeners. Pull up a log, warm your knees, grab a coffee, do your thing, settle in. It's episode 49 of Frithcast. I'm Suzanne Martin. Hello, Suzanne. Hello. And I'm Kate. Um, and I'm not an ambassador for anything. Um, they, I wouldn't have a diplomatic bone in my body, so, you know. Um, I am just a, a, a passing coffee-powered druid who happens to live in the same house as you because I'm married to you. Hurrah! Um, and so I hang around and interfere with these podcasts. Yay. Hey, that's a yay, right? Well, I'm it's quite, a totally yay. I quite enjoy it. Quite like the yay. Okay, so episode 49. Now you've all settled in, found a space, settled down on the log. Bunch Come up, on bunch up, bunch up, up to the virtual campfire to make room for the new folks at the back. Hello, lovely new people. Hello, new people. Welcome you, aboard. You poor saps, you. I did not say that. <laughs> run, run for the hills. Don't, no, don't, run. don't run. Don't run. Don't run. Don't run. We are your friends. Don't run. Walk. Don't run. We are your friends. Okay. Don't run. We are your friends. Okay, worried now. It's okay. So what are we going to talk about <clears throat> today, my beloved? Well... I kind of figured we'd have a natter about a very specific Viking woman. Okay. Now, one of the things in all of Is it Lagertha? It's Lagertha, isn't it? It is not Lagertha. Okay. Oh, well, never mind. One of the things we haven't talked a whole lot about are the sagas, the Icelandic sagas. There's a whole bunch of stories that are written down after the Viking period that talk about the Viking period, about families about situations that happen, usually quite complex ones. They're kind of like, um, if you remember Dallas or Dynasty with the big sort of... Massive know, shoulder pads. Massive, yeah, less of that and more the hugely complicated familial relations okay. that happen. Okay, yeah, I can do that. In a, a standard fiction book, anyone you like, you'll say, oh, here we are introducing a minor character. They are the major character's son. 
so it gives minor characters name and says this is the relationship to somebody that you already know in the story yep so you're off and you're away and you know who that person is you can is. see where everybody fits in you can if you read a Norse saga, what you'll get is introduction to a minor character who is somebody's neighbour's second cousin's aunt who has a feud with somebody else over a sheep and a magic sword that they happen to dig out of their grandfather's barrow last Tuesday on their lunch break. And it will give you this huge amount of detail about who is related to who and how and what's going on. So it's all about these family interactions, lots of feuding, the occasional nice bit, but it's kind of like um, EastEnders or Dynasty or Dallas. <coughs> there is a lot of drama. They are drama-heavy kind of stories. Some people might consider the feuding the nice bit. Yeah, there's a lot of feuding. Yeah, okay. I mean, let's face it, it's a different culture. It a is different a different time. culture, yeah. They, it is very they, much that. They it's in, kind of how you say hello They enjoyed in an Icelandic good, saga. Yeah, they enjoyed a good fracas, what can we yeah, say? Yeah, they did. Bit of, you know, a bit of rumpus. They definitely got that. The one I'd like to talk about is a saga called The Saga of Eric the Red. I've which heard of Eric the Red. surprisingly is about somebody called Eric, who is known as The Red. Indeed. Not to be confused with <clears throat> Eric Bluetooth. Yeah, Harold Bluetooth. Harold Bluetooth. Harold Bluetooth. Sorry, sorry. Harold Bluetooth. Yeah. Who, he was blue rather than red. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Kind of like the, those wee little bits you get on your car battery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wrong. Okay. And like, um, you know, jump leads. This guy is Eric the Red. And his thing, his saga, basically focuses on the fact that he is um, banished from Iceland and he sails to Greenland, which is not too far away. So we've got red, green and blue. Yeah. We can make all the colours in the spectrum. We can, and we probably do. Eric the Red saga, it's very, very simple in the fact that it details his uh, banishment from Iceland and in going to Greenland. Mm -hmm. But if you read... This whole saga is split up into chapters, and in one chapter, I think it's like chapter two or something, Eric is in Iceland, yeah. and due to... You've got a kind of a tit-for-tat going on. So his household picks a fight with another household, somebody dies, that household then revenges on Eric's household, who then escalates it by killing the farmer of the other household, who then does something else... And it all gets a bit heated. And they're basically <clears throat> not paying any kind of guild, and this revenge is just escalating See, that, up, the, up the, the levels of the society that See, you're in. that was what I was going to ask you, because I know from what you've talked about <clears throat> previously that the, they had societal sort of safeguards and restraints to prevent... All of this escalation. Escalation yeah. like that. They had <clears throat> these rules about if you kill somebody then... And, and you... I mean... I, I, I understood there were limits on what revenge was allowed, allowed yes. in yeah. the society. So this this obviously hasn't hasn't this particular situation has gone beyond the restraints and it's just carried of, on. Yeah, it involves slaves to start with, and then it involves the fact that Eric takes revenge on the slaves who've done something else. So he goes over and kills the farmer's son. So that farmer comes over and does something else. Okay. So Eric then goes over and kills the other guy. Yeah, and it all gets a bit heated. And is this why there's the banishment then? 
This is why there's a banishment. So they go to a thing, and this is a thing with a capital T. Mm -hmm. It's an annual meeting place of all the, the people yeah. in all their best bling doing their thing with a little T. Doing their thing. Doing their thing with a little T. Mm -hmm. And it's basically somewhere that everybody gathers. It's where court cases are decided. It's where grudges are sorted out. It's where lawmakers make decisions. It's where... Sometimes you get marriages and proposals that happen and everybody comes together to this one place yeah. and sorts everything out and then goes away. And that's supposed to sort out the biggest discrepancies from the past okay. time. Um, so he goes to the thing with all of his household, all of his men, all of his retinue, and he gets banished. Okay. With all of his retinue. Oh wow! All right. A whole lot of them. They're just like, no. So you're you're loyal your to thing. you're loyal to him, and he's been banished. So you're so you off get you it as well. Out. Oh, yeah. fabulous! Yeah. So he is basically outlawed from Iceland. So he sails to Greenland, mm -hmm. and he sets up a wee little, you know, nice little summer home, and he calls the land Greenland because if it's got a nice name, people are likely to go there. Now I've heard this. I, I remember in the sagas yeah. something about this about him being him being basically a, a like an early travel rep, very very early and not quite as practiced. Um, and he basically calls it Greenland because then people are more likely to want to go. Yeah, I mean you can see the thinking. I can kind of see the thinking. Now remember, we're still in chapter two. Yep. He. Comes back to Iceland with all of his men, Despite reconciles banished. the banishment. Okay. So kind of makes it all good and groovy and just settles down and starts being mellow. And then up sticks and goes back to Greenland. It's Norse people. They had the wanderlust. They did have all of that. So this is the background you've got to the start of his saga. Okay. That's all in one tiny chapter. Okay. So... You kind of like, okay, what's the rest of the saga got in it? Because that could have easily been the whole saga on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it isn't. That's three seasons <laughs> of Dallas we've just sat through. It's three seasons of Dallas on catch-up in Omnibus <laughs> Edition. Bang! There you go. <laughs> so, the chapter I really want to have a chat about is chapter four. And this is based in Greenland. So you're on farms in Greenland. And it's winter. Okay. And you're not doing very well. There's basically, there's a famine. There's a lack of food. It's a Norse winter, but even then, this is... You, you're going to have a lack of food anyway, because it's flipping horrible in a Norse winter. Yeah. But this is especially marked as a notable winter, a bad winter, and you're just like, oh, God, how bad can that be? Here you have a description of a lady. Now, it's a very specific description. It goes into what she's wearing what she gets served, what she gets to do, and she's a prophetess, she's a seeress. Okay. She is introduced as Thorbjörg, mm -hmm. and she is called, she said, the, the, the saga says, she was called Little Prophetess. Okay. And she was the last one of ten sisters who had all had the gift of prophecy. She wow. was the last one alive. And she's in Greenland. How has she got to Greenland? Wow. Where has she come from? Whose ship has she gone over from to get to Greenland? Where where did that happen? But never mind. Mm -hmm. um, so she dresses very, very elegantly. And to give you an example of how much detail the saga goes into, compared to chapter two, where he goes 
from being outlawed from Iceland to Greenland comes back to Iceland, reconciles and goes back to Greenland. There is no detail in that whatsoever. It's just this yeah. very, very plain, factual, step-by-step, this is what he does. Does he take a wolf and a chicken and a bag of... <laughs> thing? Bag of grain. Bag of grain. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> but he's not. I mean, it's got to be a heck of a journey to make to go back and forth from between Greenland and Iceland. Even, you know, you've got to get your ship ready, you've got to get your provisions ready, you've got to find the right tides and the right time. Um, that's got to be a heck of a plan. I can't imagine it being a particularly <clears throat> easy one. But we don't get any detail of that. No. What instead we get in chapter four is an incredible description of what this prophetess is wearing. Okay. What happens when she gets there? It's incredible. We're very fortunate to have it because it's an incredibly detailed description of what happens mm. when um, she basically spends the summer in one place and then for some random reason decides that every winter she's going to travel around the settlements, around the farms. It's like, why does she not do that in summertime? It's a fair question. You know, spend winter hold up where it's warm. Yeah. Spend summer chilling out and travelling around. No, she travels in the way she decides that she's going to travel in the wintertime. There's a description as she arrives at a farmstead which doesn't belong to Eric the Red, but this part of the story does happen in Greenland. So this is your very loose connection to what's happening at the start of the story. So this is one of his. This is presumably one of his settlers that he's taken along or that he's encouraged I'm, to come I'm here. I'm guessing, or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm guessing so. Um, now she is described as wearing a cloak or um, a mantle, and it says it has stones set along the hem. Mm. She wears a string of glass beads. She has a hood of black lambskin lined with white cat skin. Oh, bless you. Yeah. Where's the cat? I know. It's described that she wears a linked charm belt. Okay. And it has a large purse on it in which she keeps the charms that she needs to do her work. I was going to say a charm belt. Would, I mean, I when I when somebody says like charm bracelet, I'm thinking one of those ones with the little tags that hang off and the yeah, you buy little little round charms that are all linked together in a, okay. a loop. But yeah, it could be that it's a belt that has. Uh, we don't know what a linked charm belt is. That's that's the specific description we've been given. Mm. The reader, the writer assumes that we know what that is because at the time. Everybody would have known. It's also described that she carries a staff, and it is beautifully described as having a knob on the end. Excellent! Good, because a staff should have a knob on the end. This one does, and it's also got a brass top, and it says it has stones on top. Again, we don't know what it looks like. A stony brass knob. A stony brass knob, because bling! Bling, indeed! Now, it's also described that she has calfskin boots. Mm Mm-hmm with good laces, with a pewter ball that hangs from each of the lace ends. And I talk about detail. Oh, crikey. And it also says she's wearing gloves which are lined with... Catskin gloves which are lined with fur. She's not keen on cats, is she? She's doing the whole thing. Cats but are not safe <laughs> around this woman. <laughs> cats are not safe around this woman. She's Compare that description of just what she's wearing... To the fact that you get Eric zooming between two major countries. This on is his Eric. Ship. He's got a boat. Yeah. And it goes back and forth and back and forth and, and back and forth. It. And that's all we know about Eric. Yeah. Oh, and he's red. Yeah. Well, we know a few more things about him, but in that particular chapter, you don't get to find out a whole lot. In this one, you find out precisely what she's wearing, down to her boots, her belt, her gloves, her hood, everything. 
So the host, who is a farmer, greets her at the door and takes her to what he calls the prepared seat. Now they have prepared in the in the farmer's house, they have prepared a special seat for her to sit in. Mm-hmm. Now this is a very special seat because it even the writer is careful to detail the fact that it's got a cushion on the seat mm. and that the cushion is to be stuffed with chicken feathers. Excellent, good. Now I don't know why whether this is because the seeress needs chicken feathers to do her thing or because chicken feathers are really comfy to sit on or because chicken feathers are the only thing he's got. We don't know. If they were the only thing he's got, <coughs> you would assume that the order would be given to stuff it with feathers. Yeah. And they just use chicken feathers because it's the only thing they've got. But yeah. it specifically says chicken feathers. So yeah, specifically says chicken feathers. I'm assuming it's one of the, the former two. Either there's some significance to chickens. To chickens. Or they're like the best ones they yeah. can think of. We've, well, we've got the chickens, chicken we've got feathers. the geese, which we use. I'll use the chickens, they're softer. Yeah, what's with know, the chicken feathers? But there is chicken feathers. particularly soft. But now, he very politely asks savage. Her, her opinion of his household and the, the preparations that he's made for her arrival because mm. it's evidently a very non-standard visit that she's making. Okay. It's not a kind of an everyday occurrence, this. It, it's very clear that he's gone to a lot of trouble and time and effort to make things exactly so. Okay. She doesn't say a whole lot, basically, in return. She just, uh, And so he orders the food that's been prepared to be served. Please keep in mind at this point that they're in the middle of a famine in Greenland. They are a very, very long way from home. Yeah. Where they have to... They're in the middle of winter, so they can't, presumably all get back in the wee boat and cross over the pond and go back to Iceland, aside from the slight matter of all moving out here to start with. Yeah. She's served uh, what's called kid's milk porridge. It's described as kid's milk porridge. She's also, it describes that she's served the hearts of all the animals available there. Oh, bless you. Now, I don't know whether that means that she's served like they've got chickens and they've got ducks and they've got whatever else cows sheep and she's served one heart from each of the species or she's literally served all of the hearts from all of the animals that would be a hell of a maneuver though yeah because i mean i presume they do things they would do things much the same as people in england would have done things you when the winter comes or when the summer ends yeah you you assess you work out exactly how much you can get away with how much you're going to need. How much livestock you can keep over winter. You kill yeah. enough livestock to feed you through the winter. Yep. And you keep the rest alive because that's your <coughs> That's your lifeline for the next year. Yeah. So if they're saying... I mean, are they saying they killed... They gave her all the, all the hearts of the livestock they'd slaughtered? But, I mean, they don't keep. No. So they don't keep. Unless they bury them in the stuff. I don't know. Is that's yeah, so I don't, potentially that's an enormous sacrifice. She's given up the hearts of all the animals available there, in the wow. translation that I've read. Okay. So that, for me, is ambiguous. I don't know whether that means she's just given one of every animal that is there, or whether she's literally given the best cuts, the hearts of everything. Um. So after she's managed to, to eat. I don't know. It doesn't make mention of what everybody else eats. It just makes mention of what she gets to eat. Okay. The host 
asks very politely, remember he's a farmer, mm. she's a seeress. She has basically got Odin's ear. She can give his words directly to the people. And that is a quite huge a, thing. Quite a thing. It's quite a thing, especially for a farmer who doesn't have that knowledge, that skill, that understanding of what it takes. Mm. So she is treated incredibly well when she goes here. Um, but the farmer knows who she is or what she is. The farmer knows what she is, yes. And that's, inter- yeah. that's interesting to me because it's, it's, I mean, she's presumably, I mean, whether he knows her individually, but knows her personally. I don't know. Or whether, is, is, is there something about her that says, I mean, aside from the fact that she's a woman travelling alone to yeah. the village in, in the middle of winter. In some serious bling. In some seriously shiny clothes. Mm-hmm. Does he, does the farmer sort of look at her and go, oh, wow, this is one of them. Yeah. And... If the farmer doesn't know she's coming, when does he get time to prepare the hall and all the food? Yeah. So my understanding is that... Do all the killing. Yeah, he must know that she's coming. Mm. Somehow, he must have an understanding that she's going to arrive at a certain day at a certain time. So he very, very kindly and very gingerly, politely, asks for her prophecy. Now that she's eaten and had host of the hall. Um, and she basically says, once I've stayed here the night, I'll give you it tomorrow. Okay. So the story then picks up the day after, late in the day after. So presumably she does nothing notable overnight, in the morning, up to lunchtime, all the way through to like tea time. Yeah. And then the story picks up again. So you're missing a whole chunk of time there. Well, she's maybe she's a, maybe she's a heavy <clears throat> sleeper. Yeah, very. Um, like, you know, me in a hotel. I'll just... <laughs> it's like they say, you know, breakfast is served at eight o'clock. Like, oh, really? Like half past two in the afternoon. I'm like, when was breakfast? Uh, no. So she basically says, right, I need some, you know, you know well what I need to do my prophecy with. Mm. So he's made this special seat that's raised up and he's made this little, like the high seat, the platform. Yeah. It's all there. And she says, this is great, but where are the women to sing what they call the warding songs, the weirding songs, the songs to attract the spirits to that place? The, the, the spell songs that they sing in preparation for asking for prophecy. She's got to have a woman or women who know these chants, these songs, to sing them before she can do her thing. Okay. And there aren't any. There aren't any women... Who know the songs? There aren't any women who know the songs. Okay. So they can't find anybody. So the farmer's like, oh, fudge. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, the farmer's not going to get into trouble. Oh, no, he's just not going to have his prophecy. He's not going to get a prophecy. He's going to have given her all this... All, all this, this... Yeah, and she's going to be mighty ticked mm. off that she, she didn't provide all the things that he knew she needed. Which oh, includes okay. women to sing the spell chants, these right. spell songs. I would, I would have thought she'd have just gone, oh, well, I'll make your tough look out. I've, a, I've had a night, I've had oh, yeah. nice food, I've See, had a nice, nice, <laughs> I'm gone. nice night of comfort- had a night off. <laughs> comfortably, comfortably staying in your lovely farmhouse. Thank you very much. And yeah, gone now. Bon so, voyage. So the whole, the, the women that I don't there, know what that is in Norse, but <laughs> the whole household is asked, and there's one woman. Gudrid and she answers that she knows the spell chants because her foster mother 
back in Iceland taught her them. That's lucky. It is very lucky. There's one. But she says she doesn't want to sing them because she's Christian now. Ah. And she says, I will take no part in this because I'm a good Christian woman now. And this ain't no Christian thing, so I ain't doing it. I mean... You can sort of see her... I can. ...position. I can I can see her thing, yeah. So what happens? Do they threaten her? Sobiog isn't so happy. The series isn't particularly happy. Okay. She's kind of, you know, standing glowering in a corner. The farmer whose house it is goes to Gudrid and says, please will you sing? Because we're nannered if you don't. And she says, okay, fine. And she relents. Okay. And it describes the fact that the women form a warding ring and Thorbjörg goes up onto the onto the platform, onto the high seat, and the women form a warding ring. Now, it doesn't say what that's for, whether it's to attract spirits or protect people from them, I don't know. Okay. And Gudrid sings. And she sings it so beautifully that Thorbjörg kind of gets... She gets like IMAX vision, basically. Mm-hmm. She gets double vision. She gets vision in Technicolor. She gets vision with all the trimmings. Nice. And she prophesies good fortune for the farm and says, this famine will not stay. It will lift. So just wait it out. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll clear. Um, and also, Gudrid, you rock. You sing your chants beautifully. And... Because you sung it so beautifully, many spirits that would not have come have come and told me things. Okay. And so you're awesome. You're kind of doing the thing. And your line is going to be blessed. You will have many sons and you will go back to Iceland and you will have awesome family things rock on. Nice. But she's Christian. She's Christian. Now, it doesn't mention what her response is. Okay. <laughs> I can imagine what her response is. It doesn't mention <laughs> what her response is. But it's basically the, the seeress blesses Gudrid by saying, you know, you're going to go back to Iceland. You'll have an amazing family. You'll have a really long line. And in that line will be this star of a person. And it's going to be great. You're going to love it. Off you pop. Mm. So... Now that the farmer's had his prophecy that the famine will lift, and Gudrid's kind of got an extra gold star out of the bag, <laughs> other people come up and ask for their fortune. Okay. And Thorbjörg offers words that she can. She does the thing. She does her thing. And then it says, an escort arrives from another farm, and the seeress departs. Ah. So somebody else has heard that there's a travelling seeress around, knows that she's at that farm over there, so they send two or three people to go and fetch her to a new place for her to do it all over again. And is this two or three people who come to invite her, or two or three people who come to... Oh no, they come to invite her, very politely, Yeah. with all the politeness they can muster, because this is one powerful lady. Mm -hmm. This is a lady travelling alone. This is a lady who has the respect enough to not have to tell people what she needs and how she needs it okay they know so when she turns upon the door they know exactly how to treat her and 
what to do and what to say. You start filling them pillars with chicken feathers. Yeah, just get on with those chicken feather things. <laughs> you know, cushions, chicken feathers, parts yeah. of unavailable animals. And can I have my um, my platform or my... It, it, it's described in a few different ways. It's sort of a seat or a platform or a chair that's raised up. Okay. So it's... I don't know, it's quite a, it's a very, very detailed description, given some of the other chapters in the saga, which basically go, and he went here, and he did this, and he did this, which is kind of like a summary synopsis of an 18-volume 18, 18 <laughs> work, which gives you this kind of very, very short understanding of very factual what he did, but this, this is an incredibly detailed description it's of not, what a Ceres does. It's not just a chair, it's a chair on a plinth. It is a chair on a plinth. And praise be for that, because I love the word plinth. Plinth. You know, we were talking earlier about words I don't like. Yeah. I don't like blend. Yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. I love plinth. I can talk about plinth <laughs> all day. Okay. So, plinth. It's plinth. on a plinth. It's raised up. It's a... It's just such a, a good word. It's a word that... They say, basically, the, the seat has been prepared. Plinth. Plinth. So they don't say how this has been prepared, but it's definitely got a cushion that's going to be stuffed with chicken feathers on it. Awesome. I don't know whether every household has to have a whole chicken feather cushion thing going on, a very special one just for the series. You maybe do, just in, ca- just in case the series turns <clears throat> up. Yeah. Yeah, every every house has the, the... The chair, the chicken, the pillowcase, the plinth. Yeah. Ready up. and waiting. So Insta-kit. it can all be, all be swiftly assembled should, uh, should anybody fetch up with a... With a linked charm belt. Yeah, and your whole kind of black lambskin hood lined with fur and your gloves lined with fur and your calfskin boots on with little pewter balls on the laces. And the remains of many, many cats. Yeah, (laughs) and it's just such a detailed description and I'm very, very glad it exists because it's one of the only ones we have of this kind of individual and the status they hold in this society in contemporary well it's not quite contemporary work but it's very it's as close as we've got to contemporary work the saga of eric the red it comes from two manuscripts which are slightly different from each other which is always the way and there's only two copies of what presumably there were hundreds of copies Mm. we've now only got two and they're they're a little bit mismatched um one of them is 14th century one of them is 15th century Okay. Now the lovely experts who have got their little your sat nav. Yeah, yeah. Word experts can uh, word experts can have a sat nav for words. They can figure out where words have been and where oh, they, they come from. They can. Now they understand that the original manuscript is probably thirteenth century, which is just at the end of the Viking Age. I mean, if you've you've got somebody, you know, you've got somebody standing there saying, "I can't do it. I'm Christian." Obviously, yeah. you know, it's a you fair know, way it's down the just line. Yeah, it's coming into the conversion point. Mm. But they still, need, even though she's Christian, it's not mentioned that the whole household is. No. And they still know what to do when a seeress comes. And the seeress isn't Christian. But then again, they don't have available chanting women. They don't, no. So it's a very odd kind of almost conversion time of where you've got this blend of two... Sorry, I've said the word. <laughs> mix. <laughs> right. You've got this... This blend, this blend of moist pulp. No, stop it! Stop it! You've got uh, this mix of two very distinctive religious cultures, and in the Saga of the Eric the Red, in chapter four, 
they kind of mold together in a way that you've got the old religions in the Ceres and the new religions in um, Gudrid, who's a Christian, mm. but you've got people of both living side by side and those traditions mixing together. Yeah. So I really rather like this description of Thorbjörg. Uh, what she's wearing is just unreal. Yeah. It's some seriously blinged up stuff, but she can't do her thing until she gets the special chance, which somebody else has to do. So she's kind of, yeah, <clears throat> that's... But she's not travelling with somebody who can do the special chance. She expects she the expects chanter to be there. The, the chanters to be in the communities, in the households that she visits. Yeah. So it's obviously this very, very ingrained social practice that then comes up against this little hiccup of um, Gudrid being the only one that knows how to do it anymore and she's Christian and she really doesn't want to. That's interesting. I wonder if the I wonder if the presumably there would have come a point when these travelling seeresses. I mean I'm yeah. assuming she's not the only one because like you say <laughs> yeah. they knew what to do when she arrived so if she you know it, it implies that there's probably more than just her. Yeah. And it and it, it does raise the the question of when there would have been a, when when the point would have come where they started to find that everywhere they visited. Yeah. Or they didn't just have weren't things, any seeresses anymore. Didn't have things. well, I mean the seeresses yeah. themselves. They're turning up at, at, at settlements and farmsteads and whatever and they're and they're saying, I'm sorry we don't we don't know anything about that. Is that Yeah, we haven't got any weird chanters anymore. We haven't got any spell singers. And, and you know she's you've kind of got the indication of it because she's the last of ten sisters yeah who all had the gift of prophecy and she's the last one left yeah so it's kind of an indication that you've got this practice that is changing mm -hmm. and it's this beautiful little tiny snapshot moment of and the night when she arrives and the the day after when she finally gets to do her thing yeah and that's it. That's all you get. And then she's on her way to somewhere else. And you're like, no, I need to know what happens. Can yeah. we stay with her, please? So, um, if there isn't a film about <clears> her, there really ought to be. There really ought to be. She is, she is wicked awesome and she is blinged up to the nines. Because when you think about it, I mean, it's like in the, in the 70s and 80s, there were all those shows about, you know, um, itinerant uh, fixers of problems. Yes. You know, I mean, we have it, we have it. I say in the 70s and 80s, I mean, it's like supernatural is a similar thing. You've got yeah. people who are going from place to place and, and sorting things out. It's like, that, that would be a fantastic premise for a show, wouldn't it? You just go to somewhere and sort it out and move on. And she, that's she, exactly she, what she does. She goes to somewhere, prophecies, after she's been greeted in the proper manner and she's got all the proper things that she needs. Yeah. She prophecies, and then somebody either comes and fetches her to the next place, or she just wanders on and does she somewhere could, else. She could be, uh, your, you know, HBO could do it or something, <laughs> and, 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 and it could be like, she could be your, your modern day Michael Knight, or your littlest hobo, yeah. or your David Banner. It's all of that. Yeah. It's, it's still there, it's the same pattern. Yeah. So, with that, we would like to leave you lovely listeners around the virtual campfire, if you would like to find us online. You can find me, I'm Suzanne Martin, I'm on Facebook, I'm also on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And if you want to find me for any reason, uh, the best place to go would be my uh, website, kind of website, uh, glassrain.net, uh, where my social media profiles are linked. 
Uh, most of it's about Elite Dangerous at the moment, but it's all good. I'll get over it. Yeah, it'll be fine. I might get over it. Yeah, it's quite enjoying good. it. I don't yeah, want to get over nice. it. So, you're welcome to come and find us on social media. Throw us a friend request. Give us a hi and hello. Hello. Our messages are open. If you want to come and say hi, that would be awesome. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye-bye then. Bye.